Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church Online. My name is Steve Polk, executive pastor here, and it's an honor to welcome you to our online broadcast today. Our pastor is bringing great messages every single week, and this week is no different. This week is a great topic, very challenging topic of words matter. Have you ever wondered not only what you say, but how you say things, the impact that our words have? Uh, there's an old adage where we used to think that, that uh, words don't hurt. You know, sticks and stones break my bones, but, but words will, you can fill in the rest. Well, those words matter. They never leave. We remember them. They, they can leave a mark, as I say at my house a lot. We can leave a mark with the things that we say. So today we're going to be looking through the lens of Scripture in Proverbs about what the Bible says about words and how we use them. So I want you to grab your copy of God's Word, get your notepad and a pen, Humble yourself as I will humble myself and be ready to hear what God has to teach us about how words matter. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of speech, the gift of the ability to share encouragement, the gift that we have to share love, to speak truth, to speak kindness and gentleness into the people in our lives. So Lord, today as you teach us about how our words matter, that we would understand the power that words have in our life and in relationships and help us grow today to be better today because of what you've taught us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said something and as soon as you said it, wished I had not said that? Or let's flip the coin. Have you ever found yourself wishing you had said something, but you didn't say it and you really wish you had? You know, knowing when to speak, when not to speak, what to say, what not to say, communicating can be a challenge in life, and it's one of the most important things that, that we need to get better at doing. So this morning, we're going to talk about words, their power for good or for bad. And so I ask you to grab your Bible and open it with me to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. We're going to be starting in a few moments in chapter 10. So Proverbs chapter 10. Recently, I got home one Sunday after church, and, and uh, you need to know that we have three services here on Sunday morning, earliest at 8.30 and the last one at 11 o'clock, and my wife attends the early service. Then she goes to her life group, and following that, she hangs around and helps with the welcome ministry for the 11 o'clock service, and after that service begins, she goes home. So recently, I get home after our last service. It's 1240, 1245, and I walk in the house, and she's prepared lunch, and I mean a, a good lunch. She fixed a, a pork loin and our favorite sauce, a combination of apricot preserves and, and peach butter. We love to put that on pork and had baked potato and some peas and a salad, and it was just a really nice meal. And as I'm walking in the house, she said to me, I bet you're tired. And I said, yeah, I am. And I went to the bedroom to change clothes. And I noticed on the way in that the lights outside at our swimming pool had been left on the night before and she had been out there. And so as I was coming back into the kitchen, I said, uh, by the way, you left the lights on the pool on last night. And the one thing I forgot to say was, sweetie, thank you so much for fixing this great lunch. And, and because I did not say that and I said something about her leaving the lights on the pool, well, guess what? I hurt her feelings. And so we had to have a conversation. Communication, even with people who love each other and have been married a long time, who know each other very well, can still be tricky. And sometimes, and I know you've experienced this, what people hear us say is not what we intended to say. 
We know that our words can encourage people and build them up or discourage them and tear them down. The same thing is true when others speak to us or about us. They can encourage us and build us up or they can discourage us and tear us down. And that our words can make things better. Sometimes they make things worse. Um, Looking back over my life in the early days of being a teenager and a young man and just starting out in ministry, God uh, God had people say things that really encouraged me. One, one memory I have is coming back to my car. One Saturday I had parked it in the parking lot, the city municipal lot of our little small hometown. And when I got back to the car, there was a piece of paper, just a small piece of paper under the windshield wiper. And someone had written anonymously in a, in a felt tip pen, they had written, Hi, Steve, I'm glad I know you. Now, that was over 40 years ago. I still remember finding that note. I can see the blue ink in which it was written. Very encouraging to me. I still remember when I was 17 years old and preached the first time in my home church on a Sunday morning during a youth Sunday. And following the service, I was standing down front. And uh, my Sunday school teacher, who also was the French teacher at our high school, Ann Lewis, I can still remember Ann coming by, shaking my hand, looking me in the eye and saying, I think you found your calling. Forty years later, I still, 46 years actually, I remember, I remember those words and God used her words to affirm his call in my heart and life. I remember one Sunday night in my home church after the evening worship service, just standing in the aisle talking to an older man who was a a lay preacher. And he said something to me. He said, Steve, there are going to be some times when you as a pastor or a preacher are going to get upset about something. Somebody, something's going to make you mad. And you're you're going to feel like preaching on it. You're going to have an impulse to preach a sermon on it the next Sunday. He said, wait a week. Part of that, that's, that's some of the best advice anyone ever gave me, and it's kept me out of a lot of trouble over the years. And then when I was 29 and moved to Rock Hill to be pastor at First Baptist Church, one of my mentors, Bill Mackey, who was the pastor that ordained me and baptized me, wrote me a letter. And there was a sentence in that letter that really spoke to my heart. And so I had a printer turn it into a poster. And for about 15 years in my study, I kept that poster in a prominent place so I could see it every day when I opened God's Word. And the statement in the letter that grabbed my attention was his telling me to remain humble, keep my heart humble and my life pure. Because two of the things that destroy ministers and ministry is money, pride, money, and arrogance. And so those, those are just some illustrations, examples from my own life of things that I remember that encouraged me, that warned me, that helped me. Words are a powerful thing. And the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, says a lot about speech, about how we talk about our words. And I want us to look at that today. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death, now listen to this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That our words have the capacity to breathe into people life and encouragement or death and discouragement. And so Proverbs has a lot of verses that deal with speech, with words, with how we talk to one another and about one another. And I want us this morning to look at several of those verses and just allow God 
to speak to us and teach us and grow us and improve our capacity for speaking the way he wants us to. Now, normally, when I preach a sermon like this, I would take these different verses in Proverbs and kind of organize them, categorize them by theme or by subject matter and, and have verses together that talk about this part of speech and other verses together that talk about a different part of speech. But today I want to do it differently. I want to teach and preach a little bit differently. So we're just going to go through the book of Proverbs starting in chapter 10 and look at several verses and several chapters sequentially, not grouping them by any theme, just one verse after another. We're not looking at all of the verses in this book that talk about speech, but we're going to look at several of them. And we're just going to go chapter by chapter and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Will you pray right now? Will you pray right now in your heart where you are? Holy Spirit, I give you permission to speak to me today as we read these verses about how we talk and our choice of words. So, Proverbs chapter 10, let's get started. Would you please look with me in chapter 10 at verse 19 where the Bible says this When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. People who like to talk and talk and talk and talk are ultimately going to fall into the trap of gossip, saying things they shouldn't say, over-promising and under-delivering. All kinds of sins can come from being someone who talks all the time. But he says here, there is wisdom and knowing how to restrain our lips, that sometimes when it comes to speech, to words, less is more. I would say it this way, less is quite often more uh, godly. Look with me in Proverbs now at chapter 12, another verse that I want us to talk about for just a moment. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. 12, verse 18, the Bible says this, there is, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now, you can imagine somebody in battle with a sword or a knife thrusting it into a body and it injures people, it cuts people, it kills people. He says that rash words, just, just speaking what comes to your mind, speaking quickly and rashly can damage people, hurt people, kill people's reputations and, and their potential the same way a sword can injure somebody's body. And so be careful, he says. He said the wise person, when he speaks, rather than injuring someone, actually brings healing. He brings healing. He brings strength. He brings hope. He brings something good. He brings good medicine, if you will. Now, are you Guilty of anything we've read already, rash words, speaking too much rather than showing restraint and speaking healing words. I know I've been guilty of that, of that at times, and I imagine you have as well. Look at the next chapter, chapter 13, verse 3. Chapter 13, verse 3. He says, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life, and the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. In other words, often we bring our own problems into our lives. We sometimes are our own worst enemies because we don't know how to be quiet. We don't know how to talk when we should be listening instead of speaking. Are you ever guilty of that? 
Look at chapter 15, another verse. In fact, several verses in chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 1, he says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I see this a lot in uh, in marriage counseling. You know, couples will uh, get into an argument and somebody has to have the last word. Somebody has to have the last say. And, and so your spouse says something or your spouse does something. And rather than biting your tongue and calming the situation down, you've got to speak up. And so you speak rashly and sometimes you speak harshly. And when you do, it makes matters worse. And, and it just, it becomes like that conversation becomes like a dog chasing his tail and it just gets worse and it builds and it builds and it builds. And he says, a gentle answer, a gentle answer, choosing to be calm, choosing to be deliberate in what you say, a gentle answer turns away wrath. It brings the temperature down and allows things to be settled, to be resolved. Look at verse 2. He said in chapter 15, verse 2, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. The NIV translation says, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge. When you're trying to teach someone, share information with someone, communicate something with someone, he said, if you are wise, you learn how to speak in such a way, explain things in such a way that it makes the truth you are communicating more acceptable, more attractive, more beautiful, more palatable to people. That your goal is to not allow your demeanor and tone of voice and word choice to keep them from hearing what you're actually saying. He said wisdom cares. Some people are just so, you know, I, I'm going to tell you what I think. And they don't care whether or not they're persuasive. They don't care whether or not their words are attractive. But God says the wise person does care about that. In chapter 15, also look at verse 4. I mean, I mean, there's a lot in Proverbs about how we speak, isn't there? And, and I imagine some of you already feeling a little bit guilty or convicted at times. Because as human beings, we're not perfect. And we all struggle with these things, don't we? Look at chapter 15, verse 4. He said, a soothing tongue. Some Bibles will translate that a healing tongue. It literally means a, a tongue that is wholesome, a tongue that is healing. So a soothing tongue. It's like when you put medicine on something and it makes a, a wound feel better. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. But perversion in it, in the tongue, crushes the spirit. And perversion means something that is twisted or crooked. And he's saying here that 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 our words need to be like medicine that makes things better, not something that's all twisted and makes things worse. Another verse in chapter 15, look at verse 7. He says, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not so. Now, knowledge, truth, wisdom, is more than simply your opinion. And when you're sharing God's truth, God's wisdom, God's knowledge, you're not sharing half-truths. You're not sharing opinions. You're not just passing things around on Facebook or Twitter, but you are wise and you are sharing in a way that is attractive to others, in a gentle way, the truth 
of God giving people a better opportunity to hear and to learn and to respond to the things of the Lord. There's a, there, there's, when, it, when he talks about knowledge, it's almost this sense that you have perception. You have discernment. You have understanding. That's what wisdom is. Also in chapter 15, look at verse 23. I told you this chapter has a lot of verses about speech. Verse 23, he said, A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. When he says that the second part of that verse, how delightful is a timely word, it literally means how delightful, how pleasant, how good, how agreeable is a timely word, a word spoken at the right time. See, there are times to speak and times to be quiet, and the wise person wants to know the difference. Sometimes I need to speak. Sometimes I don't. And he said, timely words, words spoken in the right season at the right time can be delightful and pleasant. But when they're spoken out of turn, when they're spoken at the wrong time, it's just the opposite. Spoken at the right time, it brings joy to people. It brings happiness and gladness to people. And that, and that should be the goal when we speak. That should be what we hope to happen. Look at another verse in chapter 15, verse 28. He says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. It's that old saying, think before you speak. He says that a righteous man, a righteous woman ponders how to answer, thinks, thinks, does not simply react, does not simply say the first thing that comes to mind, does not spout all of our emotions and all of our feelings and all of our thoughts and all of our opinions, but ponders, ponders, because the outcome matters more than us feeling good and thumping ourselves on the chest and said, I said my peace. The righteous man, he says, the righteous woman ponders how to answer, ponders what to say. Look at the next chapter, chapter 16, verse 21. And, and, and again, we're only looking at some of the verses. There are many, many more in Proverbs about how we talk, about our words and our speech. Chapter 16, verse 21, the Bible says, the wise in heart will be called understanding. In other words, the wise person will be viewed as somebody who has discernment, and perception and wisdom. And the end of verse 21, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. I think one Bible translation says gracious words, gracious words increases persuasiveness. You see, the words we choose to use when speaking matters. And God says we need to be persuasive, to be sweet, not harsh, not rash, because that makes everything we're saying unattractive. One of the real problems we have in our culture today in America is the rashness and the harshness with which people speak to one another or about others on social media, especially Facebook and Twitter. At times, those are like, I mean, they're like, Hints of evil people say things that they would never say to another person's face. And, and one of the problems is because we're doing that so much, now in interactions publicly with others, we're beginning to talk the same way. And God says that's not how he wants his people to talk to others 
or about others. Drop down two more verses in chapter 16 and look at verse 23. The heart of the wise, he says, instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Now, when he says the heart of the wise, you need to understand that in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, the heart is different than when you and I in English use the word heart. When we use the word heart, we think of emotions, feelings, love. We think of, use the word mind, we think of intellect and intellect and, and decisions and thinking. But in the Hebrew, there, there's a word that refers to the inner being. And it, in, it includes your heart, it includes your mind, it includes your will, it includes your decisions, all of that, the inner you. And the word that is used here in verse 23 is that word. So when he says the heart of the wise instructs his mouth, it's not simply that your emotions and what you feel instruct what you speak, what you say. It's that the total inner being, the inner you, your heart, your mind, your will, your decision-making, all that makes up who you are on the inside. He says, if you are a wise person, it instructs, it informs what you say, how you say it, when you say it, and whether or not you say it. It's a, it, it, this, this goes beyond thinking before you speak. And what, what shapes us on the inside is the wisdom of God, the word of God. This same book of Proverbs says that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the foundation for wisdom, that we gain wisdom from the truth of God and the Holy Spirit of God and the presence of God, the word of God that shapes us on the inside. And what shapes us on the inside then influences what we do on the outside, not only in our behavior and lifestyle, but in our speech. And that is exactly what he's talking about here. Another verse in chapter 16. And you're about to say, Preacher, how many more of these are we going to look at? Just a few more, so stick with me. Because I want God to speak to me and you directly from his word as the Holy Spirit causes it to live in our heart and penetrate our mind and the deepest parts of our soul today. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 16 at verse 24. He says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Every morning, one of the first things I do while I'm making my cup of coffee is take a spoonful of local honey to help with allergies and stuff in the fall and winter. But also, it tastes good and it soothes my throat. I, I take a, a spoonful of honey before I go out to preach just to coat my throat. And it really, really helps me. Honey is sweet and it's pleasant. And here he says, your words can be just like that and they can be healing. Your words can be healing to people's bones and to their soul. That the thing that is inside of you, which then informs how you speak, if you listen to the wisdom of God and do it right, you can heal people. You can help people. You can bless people. Heal them on the inside. People need to hear encouraging words. They need to hear good words. They need to hear God's words. And they need to hear it in a way that is attractive, appealing, and convincing. How you say it, brothers and sisters, matters just as much as what you say. One more verse in chapter 16, verse 28. 
He says a perverse man, a crooked, twisted man spreads strife. The word spreads there is the picture of a, of a farmer throwing seed out on the ground. Are you somebody with your words that scatters strife and dissension and arguments and complaints? He says in verse 28, a slanderer, somebody who does that, separates intimate friends. It destroys relationships. And then in chapter 17, look at one verse, verse 9, chapter 17 Verse 9, he says, He who conceals a transgression seeks love. He who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Now, what he's saying there is that you don't need to tell everything you know. There are times to be quiet and not talk about things that other people have done, that other people know. Now, that verse has been abused at times as, as an excuse to, to tell people who've, who've been abused in terrible ways to be quiet and not report anything. And, and it is a, it's wrong, it's unbiblical to use that verse to beat over the head somebody who's been the subject of sexual abuse or physical abuse and tell them, well, they shouldn't say anything to anybody. They shouldn't report that to the authorities because we don't want to hurt their reputation. We don't want to hurt the reputation of the church or some other you know you, you don't cover up that kind of wrong doing it's, 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 this is not justification for not reporting somebody who's done something illegal who's committed to crime who's who's broken laws and injured others in the process but there are little things that all of us do all the time in day-to-day -day life in our relationships that we don't need to go about telling everybody about every little every little thing that somebody does. The Bible calls that gossip. And, and people who are gossips destroy relationships and destroy uh, friendships. There are times to be quiet. Two ladies, two friends, Ramona and Ann, were talking one day, and they got on the subject of divorce because... They knew a lot of people who had divorced. In fact, Anne's husband had left her previously. And Ramona, while they were talking, remembered that a mutual friend named Maris had confidentially shared with her that she and her husband were having severe marriage problems. And she told her that in confidence. And, and while they were talking about divorce and so on, Ramona decided to tell Anne what their mutual friend Maris had revealed to her and asked Anne to pray for their friend. And so she told her everything. And then afterward, she started thinking about it and realizing she didn't have friends. She didn't have her, she didn't have uh, Maris permission to tell anybody and that she had broken her confidence. And she started feeling really, really guilty and feeling bad. And a, a few days later, uh, Anne called Maris and, uh, uh, and, and, uh, or rather, uh, 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 Ramona called Ann and apologized and said, I should never have told you that. Please don't tell anybody. And then she got up the courage to call their mutual friend Maris and said, can I come over to your house? And so uh, Ramona goes over to, to Maris' house and she sits down on the couch and she says, I blew it. You remember the other day when you shared with me how you and Mark were struggling in your marriage? Well, the other day Ann and I were talking and I told her about you and Mark. And your struggle. And when she did, Maris' jaw dropped and her lips began to quiver and she started to cry. And she said, I wish you hadn't said anything. Having someone else know about it only makes it harder on me and Mark. 
And Ramona said, I wish I could take my words back, but I can't. Can you ever forgive me? And Maris, looking at her in the eye, said, you're right. You can't take it back. I'm going to call Ann and ask her to keep it confidential. And Ramona reached out to hug her friend Maris and said, I'm really sorry. And I, I, I promise that I won't share your confidences in the future. And Maris looked her straight in the eye and said, don't promise what you can't keep. Trust in that relationship was broken. And the relationship was never the same after that. You see, sometimes those of us in the church, we have this special way of spiritualizing gossip. I, I, I need you to, I want you to pray for so-and-so. And it's an excuse for us to share what we don't have permission to share. There are times we need to be quiet. Look in Proverbs chapter 18 at verse 6. The Bible says, a fool's lips bring strife and his mouth calls for blows. Some people sometimes just stir things up. And then a, a very beautiful, powerful, warning, a picturesque description of what we're not to do in verse 8. He said, the words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. The word whisperer there is, is, is this idea of somebody who goes around just whispering, you know, a gossip. And, and what he says is it's like food and it gets down in you. And once that knowledge, once that gossip that somebody whispers to you is inside, it's there and you can't undo the damage. Look at verse 13 of chapter 18. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and Shame to him. In our culture today, we're, we're so much better at shouting, so much better at talking, so much better at arguing than we are at listening, understanding, and learning. And then one last verse, chapter 25, verse 23, chapter 25, verse 23, he says this. If you're, let's see, uh, here it is. The north wind, the north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. The word backbiting there in the Hebrew, some Bibles translated a sly tongue. It's the person who goes around and says, now listen, don't tell anybody, but you tell them. But don't tell anybody else now. That is exactly what the word here means. And what it says is that there are times when you do that, what you create is anger in others because you hurt others and break their confidence. You break their your relationship with them. And then, then I lied a moment ago. One last verse in chapter 26, verse 20. He said, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. And when there is no whisper, nobody goes around, hey, don't tell anybody, but let me, let me tell you. When there is no whisper, contention quiets down. All right. How are you feeling? What are you thinking? You know, Jesus in the Gospels said that, I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the judgment day. I want to give you two challenges this week. Here, here's the first challenge that I, I'm encouraging you to do this. Here's the first challenge. Spend 24 hours. I mean, just spend 24 hours without saying anything negative or anything unkind about somebody or to somebody. 24 hours, nothing unkind, nothing hurtful to somebody 
or about somebody. That's that's not easy to do because uh, uh, our culture encourages us to talk in a negative way. I mean, if, if someone cannot go 24 hours without having a, a drink of alcohol, uh, we say they're addicted to alcohol. If someone cannot go 24 hours without smoking a cigarette, we say they're addicted to nicotine. Can you go 24 hours without saying something negative or hurtful about someone or to someone? That's the first challenge. And here's the second challenge. This coming week, each day, the next seven days, will you give a compliment, speak a compliment, say a compliment to one person each day? So Monday, a compliment to one person. Tuesday, a compliment to a different person. Can you do that this week? Dallas Willard was a Christian professor, philosopher, and Christian author that was popular with a lot of people, wrote a lot of books. He died of cancer, I believe it was about eight years ago, and the evening he died, a friend was spending the night with him in the hospital while the family went home uh, to rest, and a nurse came in, and when she did, she woke Dallas Willard up, and he turned to his friend, and he asked him, he asked him to tell his family how much he was blessed by them and, and how much he appreciated them. And then he kind of leaned back and closed his eyes and in a very audible and clear voice said, thank you. His friend said it was like he really wasn't speaking to him. It was like he was speaking to another presence in the room, like he had this awareness of the presence of God. And he was saying to God, he was saying to Jesus, Thank you. Those two words, thank you, were the last words Dallas Willard spoke. And then he died. See, the people in your life, the people you love and who love you, the people you are around, work with, and influence, what are they going to remember about you and your words, you and your speech? See, they will only be able to remember the words you say, whether good or bad, positive or negative. They'll only be able to remember what you say. So you want them to be healing words, helpful words, loving words, gentle words. They cannot remember what you never say because you never said it. There's nothing to remember. And if you're not saying I love you and thank you, and you're not complimenting and encouraging and bragging on people, they will have none of that to remember because you never said it. Will you make a commitment right now, right now, to compliment somebody in your life each day this coming week? Make a commitment right now to spend the next 24 hours without saying anything negative or hurtful to someone or about someone. And I believe this will bless your life. It's God's instruction. It's what he wants us to do. And I hope you'll do it. Hey, God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday.